And now it's time for Rod and Real Radio with your hosts, Hop Along John Cassidy, fresh and saltwater expert angler Stan Vanderberg, and all around outdoors fishing and hunting enthusiast Wendy Toshihara. If you love the outdoors, enjoy salt or freshwater fishing, this is the show for you. We'll cover most all of the fishing tournaments and events with special reports while providing you with the information you need as to how and where to experience the best fishing opportunities in Southern California. Baja, Alaska, or just about anywhere the fish are biting. We have some fantastic guests and reports lined up for you this evening, so sit back, relax, and get ready for the fastest two hours in radio. It's all right here, right now, on Rod and Reel Radio, the best stop on your radio dial for all the information you need for fishing opportunities all over the United States. Now here's your host, Hop Along, John Cassidy. Thank you, Mark Larson, and welcome, everyone, to summer in Southern California. This is indeed, again, another Sunday edition of Rod and Reel Radio. Appreciate you taking uh, the time to listen to us. I know there might be a couple of activities out there that might distract you from listening to the show, but I think we put together a great show for you tonight. So if uh, you're watching the television, there's little figures running around there. Uh, just uh, put the sound down. We'll be probably finished uh, by the second half. And you know by watching any of the ball games this past week that the second half is the most exciting time. And that's when you'll be able to watch again. Let me tell you what we have for your listening uh, pleasure tonight, though. We're going to start off with uh, Jen Thomason. She is the director for Babes on the Bay. And, you know, we talked a little bit about Babes on the Bay Last Sunday, we had a lot of fun with it, uh, talking about the gals that actually go out there and go fishing. So I invited Jen to come along and give us some particulars about this event that uh, you may want to know about, because we are putting together a team, Wendy Toshihara, I should say, from the West Coast, and we'll be talking about that. Jen will be with uh, John Baja. He's the um, the CCA uh uh, he's with CCA Texas, and we'll be talking about maybe some of the issues that CCA is running into in Texas that we are seeing here in the fine state of California. So uh, Jenna John will be our first guest out of the gate. Later on in the hour, Tommy Gomes is going to be with us. We're going to talk about sustainable seafood, what Tommy's been getting into. I think he's got a couple of surprises up his sleeve that he wants to pull on us. So Tommy Gomes will be with us. Then in the 6 o'clock hour, Captain Dave Hayworth is going to be with us. Captain Dave owns a fleet of commercial vessels that are out of San Diego here. We're going to talk a little bit about how this COVID-19 crisis has affected him as a commercial fisherman and what he's been doing with his catch, how he's making ends meet, and also maybe some of the other difficulties that he as a commercial fisherman faces Fishing under the U.S. flag as opposed to other competitors that are uh, fishing under different flags and have to adhere to a completely different set of rules than U.S. fishermen. So Captain Dave Hayworth will be with us. But before we get to our guests, let me first introduce to you my co-host. First of all, this one individual, he is the voice of 1-800-BASSBOAT and a pretty darn good fresh and saltwater fisherman in his own right. Mr. Stan Vandenberg. Stan, good evening. <clears throat> evening, John, Wynn, and the rest of our loyal listeners. You know, I've had my first tournament of the year, 
and and it worked out okay. So I'm a happy man, especially going into it where you get one bite pre-fishing and you break them off. Uh, after all was said and done, I finished fourth, and it was I was leading it for a while, and so somebody came in with a 24-pound limit. Another guy came in with a twenty with a fourteen pound limit. There was ten pounds that separated first to second, and then wow. I was sitting in third until one of my fish kicked the bucket at the at the weigh in, and I got lost two ounces, and and that two ounces cost me a, a third place. So I ended up fourth, but a great start for the first of the year. So I'm a happy man. Well, Stan, it just goes to show you sometimes when the weather's really fair. That doesn't necessarily equate to great fishing, you know, uh, sometimes, and you've seen it, and Wendy, I know you've seen it too, we've seen some of the best fishing and absolutely the snottiest conditions you could ever want to find. Introduce Wendy and uh, we'll come back to that. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, we can get with that later on because I think we've got some guest holding, but let me do introduce to you my co-host. She is a uh, national sales manager for Iserline. She represents many other fine products in the fishing industry. She is also an expert fisherman. She is a commercial fisherman and an expert hunter. So what? who else could I be talking about but Miss Wendy Toshihara? Wendy, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing pretty good. I am standing watch. There's a Cooper's Hawk that just attacked my birds and so I'm, I'm watching and making sure it doesn't steal anymore <laughs> wait a minute what birds your chickens um it, it grabbed one of my pigeons whoa yeah whoa. <laughs> if he got one he's probably going to be okay he'll he'll take that oh, one. Oh no he's hanging around i'm watching him <laughs> wow this this is beginning to sound like an episode of Alaska Below Zero. Uh, the hawks are, are chasing my birds and live in Huntington Beach. <laughs> hey Stan, I know you got a story. Let's uh, let let's get on to it uh, later on in the show because we've got our first guest waiting for us. Hey, last week we had a lot of fun and a lot of laughs talking with Wendy and Laurie Heath with regards to. The Babes on the Bay Tournament, how it was canceled last year, but how we're looking forward to seeing it happen again. So I asked Jen Thomason if she would come aboard with us. Jen is the director of Babes in the Bay to tell us a little bit more of the particulars of that event. And with her is also John Baja, who is with CCA Texas. And CCA is an organization we know here in California, especially with Stan and Wendy being on the board of directors of the LA branch. So, Jen and John, welcome to Rod and Real Radio. Thank you, thank you. Thank you for having us. Good. All good right, to hear you do all. we have John there? I'm here. Hey, great, great. Hey guys, thanks for coming aboard. You know, we were talking about Babes in the Bay, which is an event that's not here in Southern California, but it's in Texas and Jen or John, if you want to start off a little bit, can you tell us about the history of this event? Because this is an event that I think has introduced more women to fishing in your part of the world probably than anything else going. So, guys, you want to take it away? Sure, sure. 
Um, well, this will be the 22nd year. I guess you can call it the 21st or 22nd, <laughs> whatever you will, after after the COVID year. But, um, you know, it was started by our Aransas Bay chapter in, um, in Rockport, Texas, and it's just gotten bigger and bigger each year. It's a just a fabulous, a fabulous tournament. It's so exciting to see all these girls come together that love to fish. Yeah, it's, you know... The great thing about this is it's totally volunteer-driven. Uh, and, and like you, you mentioned, I truly believe that Babes on the Bay is the big driver for the strong participation of women anglers in the state of Texas. Absolutely, no doubt in my mind. You know, John and Jen, uh, the idea of an all-ladies tournament, especially, you know, talking about something where you're – you know, we don't want to say that it's uh, 21 or 22 years old, but you're going to be celebrating the 22nd edition of the tournament. But way back then, who came up with the idea that, hey, we could have a successful event and make it all for women? I, I've got to I've got to tell you, that's rather unique. It, you know, uh, the Randall's Bay chapter, they were that was probably the second year of their existence and. The group was led by uh, a guy named uh, James Fox, uh, who passed away a couple years ago. James was a great advocate for the resource. He was a guide. Uh, but we had a, we had a, a strong women's participation uh, within the chapter, uh, even from the very beginning. And, uh, you know, somebody said they wanted to have a tournament for the women, and, and we started out, I think, the first year I really – Maybe close to 100 people participated. Uh, Linda Pouillet, uh, she she ran it the first year or two, and then Carol Scardino ran it uh, from that point until I think this is Jen's third year. Is that mm-hmm. third year? And then Carol Carol moved to Florida, and then she handed the reins over to uh, uh, Jen, and and she's taken it to to a kind of a, a different level. Uh, does fabulous work with the social media and just reaching out to people. Uh, but it's it just grown every year. And, you know, you've got those women that they just, they're coming down for a party, quite honestly. And then you got those that, <laughs> I mean, they're serious. They, they'll, no lie. you know, it'll be a barroom bra- bar brawl of somebody, you know, if, if they think they got cheated by somebody. And just, ima- so. and just imagine, just under about 1,500 of them in one town. <laughs> wow! So, uh, so, and how many teams do they represent when you have that many uh, people there, Jen? No, it's it's about four hundred teams. It, it's pushing four hundred teams. It? Yeah, it's pushing pushing four hundred teams. Uh, I think in twenty nineteen we were like at three fifty, three fifty five. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like just under fifteen hundred participants. And, uh, you know, in 20, you know, we, we run four divisions. We run, we run a guided, any, any bait. We run a guided, uh, artificial only. Then we run non-guided, any bait, non-guided, artificial only. And then in 2019, we introduced a, a fly fishing division. And we had 10 teams the first year in that. And that was all, you know, uh, photo, you know, catch, photo, release, do it by inches. And then even, you know, on all the other divisions, very conservative. We, you know, three trout and one redfish, uh, all within the slot limits. So um, a lot of participation. I think that the last year we had roughly 
60 teams weighed in of all the teams. And it's so cool seeing our girls from California. We have a team, uh, the Snookettes, that come from Georgia, and then there's a team from up north from Minnesota that come down. So everybody from all over the U.S. is just get so pumped up about it. Well, I think we got inquired from a group from Chicago or somewhere things. the other day. Uh-huh. Yeah, Wendy, of, go, go on, Wendy. One of the really neat things is that it's not just women. It, there's a Baybette division. And so the the young ladies yeah. get to fish also, which is great. It is. It, it's awesome. There's, you know, 16 and under considered Baybettes, so they get to participate as part of their team as well as participate in their own division. So, the, the little girls absolutely love that, and it's amazing how many young girls love to fish. It's, it's pretty cool. Wow. We, you know, for an audience that may not be familiar with the format of this part of tournament, uh, could you uh, kind of go over a little bit about uh, what you're fishing for and sort of like if there's any type of a framework that you're working around what it is? Yeah, the the tournament, like I said, it's based it's based on you know for the team championship, it, it's based on a total stringer weight, uh, and it's it's three trout and one redfish. They have to be within a slot, so the trout have to be between fifteen and, and twenty five inches. The redfish have to be between twenty and twenty eight inches. Uh, so you know it's extremely you know really conservative compared to what our, our limits are. I mean, they could bring a whole lot more fish in than that if they wanted to, but we try to keep it very conservative. Uh, we also do a fun, uh, the redfish with the most thoughts category. Yeah. We, just for a good time. And, you know, we have, you know, they do the, you know, the largest fish for each division. Uh, they have a, you know, best dressed team. Uh, so, you know, different little things like that. One thing that, uh, we really worked hard uh, in, in 2020, and, and it's rolling into 2021. Is is uh, I'm going to use the term payback. Get a little payback for the for the gentleman that uh, you know. Each team can have a driver or a guide. There's only one male allowed on the boat. Uh, he cannot fish, but it you know. For instance, if uh, you know if a team makes the winter circle. That guide is going into a drawing for a power pole, courtesy of our friends at Power Pole and Chris's Marine. And uh, so, you know, we're trying to, you know, give a little reward back to those guys. You know, they're giving up their day uh, working with the ladies. And uh, like I said, it's it's really competitive. We, you know, I had a situation a couple years ago where, uh, you know, that weigh-in is really important to some of them where we had actually shut the weigh-in line down already, and and this one team was late by about two minutes, and, you know, I couldn't let them in, but they had, like, one trout that was 18 inches. They really wanted to weigh that in. We let them weigh it in. I mean, we able to work around that in that situation, but it's just, uh, you know, the women, you know, the big, vast majority of the women, you know, they want to catch fish, and they want to have a good time. I can understand that. Hey, we're speaking with uh, Jen Tomlinson and John Blaha from, uh, uh, they're telling us a little bit about the Babes in the Bay event. uh, And we're going to find out exactly where it is and get some more details about what's happening. But guys, we have to take a break right now. Can we ask you to stay on for just another segment with us, please? Absolutely. Sure thing. Hey, Stan, Wendy, and I will be back. We're talking Babes on the Bay, so stay tuned. 
You're going to want to hear all about it, but you have to wait until after these messages. Hi, Roland Martin here. I'd like to tell you a little about Gary Yamamoto and the Gary Yamamoto Custom Bake Company. It all started with an idea, then a dream, and in 1983, the Gary Yamamoto Custom Bake Company was formed. If you know Gary Yamamoto like I do, and I've known him since 1983, you know he has a passionate love for the sport of fishing. That love is only matched by his obsession to design and produce the highest quality self-plastic fishing lures on the market today. Every bait Gary makes is inspected by hand. Today, more than 2.5 million packages of bait are shipped worldwide. On behalf of Gary and his staff, he wants to thank his customers for thinking so highly of his products and wishing you the great success at the sport of fishing. Whether you fish for fun or fish the tournament circuits like I do, you'll honor Gary for making Gary Yamamoto Custom Baits a key part of your fishing experience. Take it from me, Roland Martin. When I'm in need of a go-to bait, my first choice is a Gary Yamamoto Custom Bait. Turner's Outdoorsman, California's number one fishing, hunting, and shooting sports retailer, now has 28 locations. Turner's is your one-stop shop for fishing tackle, hunting gear, and everything for shooting sports. Turner's offers a full selection and unmatched prices on the gear you need. Whether you're planning a fishing trip with the family or chasing giant tuna, Turner's highly skilled staff will make sure you have the gear for your next adventure. Visit turners.com to find a Turner store near you and be sure to join the Turner's Discount Club to get weekly ads and specials right to your inbox. Turner's Outdoorsman, your one-stop shop for all your fishing needs. We all like to travel, whether it's for business or it's pleasure. But one thing we all like to do, it's save money. Well, we got a travel tip for you. Bill Boyce has put together a travel website for you that can save you a lot of money. You can become your own travel agent. The site is bookwithboyce.com. You're going to save yourself 5 to 35% on all nationally advertised travel rates. You want to uh, go to Mexico? You want to go to Hawaii? Bookwithboyce.com can offer you outstanding prices. And here's the deal. There's no surprises for accommodations, rental cars, or activities. So try bookwithboyce.com now and thank Bill Boyce later on. Hi, this is Lori Heath. You may know me from some of the fishing boats out of San Diego. I want to talk to you about something that's really close to my heart. Did you know that when you donate blood, you're not only helping others, you're also helping yourself. Donating blood lowers the risk of heart attacks in men by more than 70%, lowers the risk of developing cancer, and helps you maintain a healthy liver. So donate blood to help someone else and to help yourself. If you can't donate, you can still make a difference with the financial gift. It's the best way to give back. Hook, line, and sinker. And for more information and to make a financial donation or an appointment, visit San Diego Blood Bank. That's the San Diego Bloodbank.org. And just to let you know, I'm also a blood donor. I always wear a life jacket when I'm on the water because I'm lazy. I like floating like a giant turtle covered with SPF 50. The life jacket does the work. I highly recommend this to everyone. Save the ones you love. A message from California State Parks Division of Boating and Waterways. 
Hey, Stan, Wendy, and I, we want to welcome you back to Rod and Real Radio. Just to let you know, our special guest this segment are Jen Thomason. She is the tournament director for Babes in the Bay and also John Blaha. Not only does she help out Jen, uh, uh, Jen with Babes on the Bay, but she is also with CCA Texas. And, Wendy, I want to ask you, you being here from the West Coast, you found out the, about this ve- event. Tell us how the West Coast is getting involved in Babes in the Bay. Well, I put together uh, three of my other fishing friends, Lori Heath, uh, Lori Barber, and Sophie Hewn. And we decided to head out there and go fish since we love to fish. And, uh, you know, uh, not last year because it was canceled because of COVID, but the year before when we fished the tournament, it was really new to them. They've never fished for speckled trout or um, redfish. And so it was a huge learning curve. And bringing out California girls to go fish in Texas, we had such a blast. It's so much fun that, uh, of course, if if it's not going to go on this year, we're still coming out. We still got the house we rented. <laughs> and we're going to have a good time. Uh, hey, uh, Jen, if, tell us, where does this tournament take place? And tell us some of the particulars that we may need to know if we want to enter the event or if we just want to come and be a part of it. Yeah. When are the dates oh, too? Oh, okay. Yeah. The dates this year are May 14th and 15th and it's always um, the weekend after Mother's Day, um, but it's it going to be this year and the lot previous years at Fulton Convention Center, which we have a fabulous new convention center in Rockport Fulton. It's, absolutely beautiful they have a new pier out there with green lights it's a beautiful place so we have lots of room to spread out um very covid friendly just to be safe and um gosh what else you can yeah. sign up at, at babesonthebay.com that's where you register you can do it all online so it's very easy user friendly yeah they uh you know like, like jen mentioned we do it do it the fulton uh Fulton Community uh, Fulton Convention Center. It's a it's a brand new facility. Uh, you know, for those that don't know, Hurricane Harvey, uh, the eye the eye came dead straight over us in 2017 and uh, 2018, and then in 2018 we still had almost 1,300 participants. Uh, the one thing you know people might not think about is is what this tournament brings to this community from an economic boost. Uh, if you can imagine, you know, we have 1,500 entrants, and, you know, there's you, you can double or triple that, you know, with people that are coming with them. Uh, I mean, obviously, there's a lot of local people, but tons and tons of out-of-town uh, out participants as well. So uh, it just, it's a great deal. Uh, we've got a lot of great sponsors uh, in the last couple of years that have come in and helped us out, and uh, it, it continues to grow and, and People look forward to it. They they start making their reservations for hotels and and houses. You know, immediately after the the one they just participated in. They do. You, know, you know, everybody's starting to reserve their guides now, and you know it's it's a big deal. We have we have Yeti that joined us last year, and uh, Waterloo Rod Company, Costa Del Mar. Yeah, Costa uh, Del Mar. We have uh, Rockport Tackle Town, which is the best tackle shop in the world in our opinion yeah you know chris's marine is, is a huge sponsor of not just babes on a bay but cca texas is 
in general. So it's yeah. it's a great community event. Great. You guys have limits event. where they can't pre-fish, or can the guys come in and pre-fish no, with their team ahead of time? No, I mean we don't put anything like that. Uh, I mean I, I know for a fact that there's a lot of teams that fish with you know their husbands or boyfriends, uh, and they're they're fishing every day for a week before, or you know their teams they may hire. You know, we may have a, you know, say, you know, somebody, you know, a team hires, you know, John Doe guide and they'll hire him two or three days before and fish two or three days before with him, you know, looking for fish, looking. So there's you know, no restrictions like that from that standpoint. No. Because uh, uh, if I was, if I was going to be one of the guides down there and had a boat and I, and I knew the waters and I could get my team into a situation where here's what you do and here's how we do it and get trained up a little bit before we get out there would be a bonus round. But it's got to be a great boon for the, the, the people in the surrounding town there with the you know, gas and lodging. And, and there's probably no entertainment to be had nope. in the area. Oh, no. <laughs> Stan, it's, it's, Stan, you know, there's, it's amazing. There's actually several the restaurants, restaurants are and, packed. You know, it, it's just we spend so much money there. We go out to eat. Um, the boiling crab is one of my favorites. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, it's so good. The oh, boiling it's, pot it's, is it's awesome. Just, yeah, it's so much yeah. fun. And, you know, you don't even have to fish to come down to the tournament, enjoy it. They have like exhibit booths um, before the tournament weigh in so people can go around and go look at everything. And, you know, of course, there's lots of alcohol and lots of food, and it's just a good time. Yeah, Jen, for people that aren't familiar <laughs> with the area, when they sign up, uh, do they get some, like an information package with regards to lodgings and maybe a place that if by any chance they get thirsty or hungry, there's a place they can stop off and maybe get some nourishment just in the event and available guides in the area. Do you, do you come up with that type of information package? Uh, for people coming I, from out of the area? You know, generally, I, I really suggest that everybody follow, the, like, our Instagram and our Facebook page because I will post everything from places to stay or uh, links for guides or girls who are looking for teams so they can, you know, hook up with other girls who want to form a team who necessarily don't have a bunch of fishing friends, and that's usually real popular, but... Um, you can also go to, like, the CCA Texas webpage and look at Middle Coast Guides. They have a list of guides, and I think it's also Coastal Bend Guides Association. Uh, you can look that up. And um, also, like, Rockport Chamber of Commerce has all kinds of good uh, maps and, you know, lists of places to eat, places to stay. So um, there, and it, if anybody ever needs anything, they're welcome to uh, email me or give me a call. We are more than welcome to help. All right. Hey, you know, you one, know quick, Jeff- one, one quick on, thing. Um, you've got, if you, if you get the chance, go to the website and look at the team names. It's a crack up. <laughs> oh, it's hilarious. There's nothing more entertaining. <laughs> Wendy, is, is it kind of look. like over the line <laughs> yes, that you got to kind of uh, be careful with some of the team names? Yeah, some of them. <laughs> yeah, some of them are maybe rated. <laughs> hey, you know, John, we also happen to mention that Wendy, Wendy and uh, Stan are with CCA California, or you're with CCA Texas. Can you just, in the few minutes that we have left, 
kind of give us an idea of what CCA is doing to help fishermen in Texas? You know, it, uh, like I said, CCA Texas, we, we've been uh, 1977 when the organization was formed. And, uh, you know, much like California, we had a cause right away. And it was the redfish and speckled trout. It was gill nets. I know gill nets is something y'all have had to deal with. And, uh, you know, we, as, as organization grew, we, we fought those legislative battles. We got game fish status for redfish and speckled trout. And, you know, you know, we fight everything from water quality, make sure we have fresh water inflows. And one of the big key things is, is leadership. You've got to have strong leadership. I mean, in California, obviously, has some great leadership. You've got, you've got Bill Shedd. You've got Dave Pfeiffer. Wayne and, and, you know, all of his crew, you got people like Wendy that are are involved and they have a patient, they have a passion and that's, you know, that's the whole key. You've got to have a volunteer base that has a passion that wants to conserve these resources. And at the same time, we're users of the resource. And I feel like those are the strongest conservationists out there are those guys that use those resources. Uh, about 11 years ago, I guess in 2009, CCA Texas, you know, we've been doing all this advocacy stuff, and that's kind of where our we hung our hat on. We jumped head we jumped head first into the Habitat program. Um, I lead our Habitat program. We call it Habitat Today for Fish Tomorrow. And since 2009, we've you know we've dumped a little over eight million dollars into Habitat projects, and that includes. Everything from nearshore reefing within Texas state waters, uh, oyster reef restoration, uh, marsh restoration, the restoration of fish passes, you know, along our beachfronts. Uh, you know, so it's it's a constant. We're we're busy all the time. There's always there's always an issue to deal with. Uh, and again, it, it you know these issues come locally. They come from local chapters. Uh, we have a great, great advocacy director in, in uh, Shane Beneau. Uh He's he's got his pulse on the uh, all the advocacy issues. Um, you know, like I mentioned, oysters. Oysters has, has been a huge deal for us uh, in the last uh, last I'm gonna say three four years. Actually, since 2017 2016, uh, we finally have an oyster mariculture program put in place. Uh, which I think is is huge. It'll you know take some of the pressure off the resource, hopefully. So uh, you know there's there's always an issue to deal with. And and I, I, again I'll go back. It, it's that strong leadership, and it's it's that passion within those grassroots. Uh, and you, you can't be successful without that. You know, John, how are you finding the people at the state level to work with? Because here in California, there's a little bit different mentality, I think, when it comes to hunting and fishing that you might find in Texas. And uh, uh, it seems like we're always on an adversarial type of situation with the the people that are in control of this natural resource. And it's always us trying to almost save something much rather than trying to enhance it. Do, do you find the yeah. people there in Texas a little easier to work with? You know, I, I'm, I'm going to say it's a little bit easier to work with, I, and I, I do believe that. I think, I mean, to put it bluntly, I think y'all have got a bunch of people that just soon shut down the access to everybody, whereas, 
again, I said it a while ago, our strong, the strongest conservationists are those people that use the resource. They love the resource. They want it to be there for their generation. And they want it to be there for their grandkids and their great-grandkids. They use it. Yeah. They conserve it. They take care of it. And you've got to have that. Uh, we have a great uh, leader in our Texas Parks and Wildlife Department. Uh, you know, he, he gets it. He, he's a hunter. He's a fisherman. And you've got to have that at all those levels. And, you know, you got to work to get that. And, you know, again, I mentioned, I mentioned Dave and, and Bill. Those guys, you know, they're into the industry. They take part in that resource. They take part in the fishing. Uh, and you've got to have that in the leadership to understand it and to, and to make that headway. Wendy, uh, you know, did I uh, really under uh, uh, overstate what our situation here is in California, that it's almost like we're working against people that don't use the resource and just want the resource there so they can say it's there and it's pristine and then go on to whatever the next thing is they can, uh, uh, you know, funnel a lot of money into. Here in California, it's about preservation, not conservation. And we are fighting against all those other guys. And it's really tough. You know, Merritt and I are the co-chairs for CCA um, California's Habitat Committee. And we've been trying to get artificial reefs or something in the water to help us. And, you know, we can't do anything. They won't budge. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I'll tell you, there's... You know, we've done a lot with artificial reefing stuff. I'm, I'm working on a couple projects right now with, with partners, and there's a certain faction on that federal level that, yeah, they they don't believe in artificial in, in artificial reefing. But you've got to provide that habitat for those fish to spawn, to live. They're not going to do it on an open, barren floor. But you got to have that habitat. There's absolutely no doubt about it. All right. Hey, and Jen, again, uh, can you uh, pass on to us again the information, the dates, and the sites that people can go to find out more about the Babes on the Bay program, where it is, and all this type of stuff, in the event there are people listening to us that uh, might have interest in this? Yes, Absolutely. Um, please go to um, babesonthebay.com, and you can register there. The dates are uh, May 14th and 15th, 2021, and it's going to be an awesome event. We had an incredible turnout in 2019, and we know everybody is more excited than ever to fish after this last year. So it's going to be a blast, and, um, yeah, if, if anybody needs anything, just holler at me if you need any help finding guides. Feel free to feel free to call me or text me anytime. And Wendy, I can't wait to see you again, girl. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. We're gonna have a blast. Boy. Yeah, and, for sure. That. And Jen, I understand you've also been contacted by the Ebony Anglers, so we had on a few months ago that uh, uh, are looking for a way to come out and fish with you. Uh are they from North Carolina? Yeah. Okay, well, hey, if, if anybody needs assistance and wants to come to fish, just tell them to holler at me. 
I'm more than happy to help them figure out a way to come down and form a team. And we're going to try to recruit some more California ladies to head on over with us. Yes, please, please do. It was so good to see y'all a couple years ago. Can't wait. Well, Jen Thomason and uh, John uh, Blaha, thank you so much for cluing us in on Babes on the Bay and giving us a little insight on what's happening with CCA Texas. Uh, Let us follow what's happening to you, will you please? And uh, maybe at the end of the event, uh, we can get you on and tell us just exactly what happened. Okay, guys? That sounds great. And uh, thank you all for the opportunity. And, Wendy, we look forward to seeing you in Texas. Yes, thank you all so much for having us. All right. Hey, uh, Stan. I, Stan and I and Wendy, we're going to take a break right now. But coming up next, we're going to track down Tommy Gomes and find out what he's been getting into since the last time we had him on the show. So stay tuned. There's still a lot more to come. Hi. This is John, and I'd like to invite you to the new Angler's Arsenal location in Lakeside, California. We put together a staff of experts that will help you find the tackle and gear you need at a price you can afford. We carry all the major brands, and if you need custom work done, we can do that for you with both rods and reels. How about servicing your old equipment? No problem. We can do it quickly, easily, at a price you can afford. We also do custom hand-poured plastics through Western Plastics. Design the lure of your dreams and catch the fish that have been getting away. So come and visit us in Lakeside. We're at 12255 Woodside Avenue. Or you can visit us at anglersarsenal.com. If you need to call us, we're at 619-466-8355. See you there. Gamakatsu hooks are made from high-grade carbon steel specially heat treated to make them light and extra strong but not brittle. The Gamakatsu sharpening process is the most modern in the world and results in a perfectly conical point that is unequaled in sharpness. Gamakatsu offers a huge variety of hooks for all types of fishing, drop shot, extra wide gap, worm hooks, finesse wide gap, and a lot more. Gamakatsu has a hook for whatever style of fishing you want to do. Don't waste your time on a cheap hook. Ask for Gamakatsu hooks at your favorite tackle store now. There's nothing more peaceful than fishing. Just me, my pole, and some bait. Oh, and my life jacket, of course. I like fish, but I don't want to end up at the bottom of the water with them. Save the ones you love. A message from California State Parks Division of Boating and Waterways. Are you looking for a quality fishing experience out of Cabo San Lucas for you, your family, and friends, but are a little set back with what charter company to choose? We urge you to use American and family-owned Lands and Charters. Lands and Charters offers their passengers affordable and all-inclusive services on a variety of vessels and trips. Fish with the latest of fishing gear while experiencing the hospitality of a long-time-owned family business. Go to LensAndCharters.com to see all of their vessels and amenities available. Call Cobble, Greg, or Jenny at 800-281-5778 when you're ready for an action-packed Cabo fishing experience. Hey, everybody. This is a message for our listeners from a new Baja Magic Lodge at Cedros Island. Cedros Outdoor Adventures wants to make your dream of fishing Cedros Island a reality. 
Want to go after giant calicos or yellowtail with the best Cedros Island fishing organization, but you just don't know who to contact? Then give Cedros Outdoor Adventures a call at 619-793-5419, or even better yet, log on to their informative website at cedrosoutdooradventures.com. There you can visit their trip calendar and schedule a trip that's convenient for you. Once again, the phone number is 619-793-5419 or their website of cedrosoutdooradventures.com. Rod Real Radio is brought to you by BajaBound.com Insurance Services. Are you driving to Mexico? You can buy and print out your Mexican auto insurance in the convenience of your own home or office in minutes now with BajaBound.com's easy-to-use website. After printing your auto insurance, check out the BajaBound.com site. There, too, you will find great travel tips and information to help you get the most out of your next road trip south of the border. So this is an important fact to remember. Use BajaBound.com. It's the easiest way to find and get Mexican auto insurance. If you're serious about your fishing, choosing the right tackle is one of the most important decisions you'll ever make. Iserline makes premium fishing lines including monofilament, Dacron, Spectra, fluorocarbon, battle-tested harnesses, and top-angler-tested Iserline tools and accessories. Iserline premium fishing products are created to provide you with the ultimate in strength, dependability, durability, high abrasion resistance, low stretch, and high quality. All Iserline products are 100% guaranteed against manufacturing defects. You just can't buy better value. Iserline will replace or repair at their option. No questions asked if you're not pleased with any of their products. Catch what you've been missing. Quality guaranteed. Rod and Reel Radio is now available as a podcast you can subscribe to on iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcasting app. Get notified as soon as new episodes are available. Or go back and listen to our past shows. Browse through all of our archive shows at roddenreelradio.com slash archives and click the subscribe button to get started listening now. Hey, Stan, Wendy, and I, we want to welcome you back to Rod Real Radio. Or our next guest has probably put together the most exciting brand that you can ever find here in San Diego. It's called Tommy the Fishmonger. It's a good friend of ours from long ago and far away, Mr. Tommy Gomes. Tommy, how you doing tonight, sir? John, what's going on? It's great to hear you guys. How's everybody doing? Hey, we, we're staying safe, but you know what? It's been a little while since we've had a chance to catch up with you and what's been happening, especially with all this COVID 19 uh, stuff going around. Uh, I know you've been working with the commercial fishermen and other fishermen in the industry. Give us a little bit of a rundown on what's happening right now out there. Oh, right now we know we got. Um... We got a couple longliners coming in next week, uh, early in the week. There, Mitch and I, uh, Mitch from Mitch's Seafood. Uh, we're just waiting on the city to okay our permits so that we can start building. We're opening up a, a seafood market down there at Driscoll's Wharf. It's going to be called Tunaville Grocers and Market, um, specializing in local seafood, American seafood caught locally off of the West Coast. No imported fish. So that's kind of going to that's going to be a little different, um, but we're going to make it work and we're going to have some fun and hopefully, uh, you know, we got a lot of support from the local fishermen, commercial fishermen up and down the coast, and it's going to be exciting. We've been waiting for gosh, it's been nine months. We've been waiting for these permits, but because of COVID, you know, everything is slowed down. But um, 
you know, we're just hanging in there. We're going to keep plugging along. You know, we got the dockside market on Saturday brought to you by the San Diego Fishermen's Working Group. And that seems to be going well for the city and the local commercial guys as well. And, of course, Tom Driscoll of Driscoll's Yachts and Driscoll's Wharf, he really stepped up to help the commercial fishermen and the general public down at the Driscoll's Wharf in Point Loma. He's allowed the commercial fishermen to sell directly off of the boats down there, which it hasn't been done in, gosh, 60 years down there at Driscoll's Wharf. And uh, the public can actually go down there as they can at the dockside market and get fish straight off the boat at, at great pricing. So, you know, good things are in the works. It just takes a little bit of time with COVID, okay? Well, we, you know, we'll have uh, Captain Dave... Uh, Hayworth on with us uh, after you, and he'll be telling us hopefully a little bit about that and some of the issues that he's been having to face in this past year. But, Tommy, one of the things I want to talk to you about is since the opening of the season, tell us a little bit about what's been happening to lobsters because it's an incredible story. Uh, Yeah, you know, Lobster prices hit an all-time high. It was $49, $48.50 a pound. Um, you know, opening week there, I was lucky enough to jump in for a couple of weeks. I think it was a month I was able to jump in and buy lobsters and sell to the public to help the commercial guys out. But then the uh, the big boys started playing, and the price went up and up and up, and it jumped. Once it went past twenty one fifty, I was out. And then we watched it spike, you know, all the way up in the $48, $49 range, which was, you know, it's great for the local fishermen. But on the other hand, you know, you got to wonder when you get that selfishness going in and everybody wants to try and make money, you got to kind of wonder if everybody was doing it legally or not, you know. And with a price like that, it's kind of tempting to, do something that you're not supposed to do in order to get that price. I mean, guys could still see the bottom of their trash cans or the bottom of their bait barrels with lobsters and still make 800 to a thousand dollars. It was absolutely crazy, but the price now has come back down. Uh, I think yesterday it was at $20 to the fishermen. So even though there's only a couple more weeks left of the local fishery, I think we're going to be able to, to uh, get it back in the hands of the public towards the end of the season here, probably starting next Friday. Look for the guys down at Driscoll's Wharf in Point Loma. They'll be selling down there. So we'll see what happens with that, okay? Well, I noticed that you'd been selling, Tommy, and uh, I didn't know whether or not you had any anxiety that you'd be able to to sell your wares, but you, you made the announcement that you were going to be down there, I think, at Driscoll's. And how long did it take you to sell out? Uh, we sold over 100 pieces in about an hour and 15 minutes. So, <laughs> right. Yeah, it was pretty you know, cool. But listen, you got Stan and Wendy there. Now, I got a question for the both of you, okay? So I've been fishing, I've been fishing the South Bay of San Diego every Sunday for the past 20 years. I mean, I go back past that bridge and... This last five weeks, how long does this slump last? Because, like, last week I caught three spotted (laughs) bay bass, a mackerel, and a smelt. I haven't caught it. I haven't got double digits in five weeks. I mean, I am snake bit. And and the guys that I fish with, 
even though the water is 58.4, 58.6, sometimes a little colder, they're banging their 30, 35 fish. I'm sitting back there catching a smelt. I cannot shake this monkey. I don't know what to do. So I know what to do. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> go ahead, Wynn. You got to take a hand off. <laughs> you know, you know? That, there, now a lot of people oh. don't understand what that what she just said there. But if you're on the boat and you can't get bit, the first thing that somebody that that is on the boat is with you, that's a friend, would hang a fish and hand it to you and say, "Here, get this one on deck." And as soon as you do that, once you land that fish, whatever the reason is, and I God only knows, that'll change your luck. So, Whitney, that's great. That's a great <laughs> advice. <laughs> uh, I don't know if I can live that one down. I mean, it's my boat. <laughs> that's okay. Sometimes, you know, you have your day in the bucket, and and we all do. I mean, I'm a tournament fisherman. I've had bad days and good days. But, you know, that being on the salt water, that was one of the things. In, and you know that because <laughs> you've seen it happen before. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, the other I, thing I, is... I've hit, these, I've hit the a dry spot or two, but... I mean, talk about a desert with a horse with no name. I mean, I can't. Uh, come on, a mackerel, a smelt, and three spotted bay bass or three spotted bay bass. That was it last week. And today, I didn't even get double digits, even if I counted the smelt I caught. So maybe you need to change locations you're fishing. Whew. I, you I know, some place where you haven't been. Today. You know, a wise man once told me. When you're where you're when you're fishing where they are and they ain't, fish where they ain't and that's where they are. So, so go some, go try yeah, some I, new well, locations. I guess some guys some guys go fishing and some guys go catching. So yeah, well, amen my to that. Will come back. Around. You must be talking Newport <laughs> Harbor or something like that. I I swear, Tommy. From the word that we're getting, that yes, it is slow in the bay, and the fishermen have paint. been going to brighter colors, and then there are also a lot more fish right now still outside of the bay. So I'm not sure if we're getting back into the pattern that they're not necessarily ready to come in the bay yet. So uh, I've got a feeling every dog has its day, and uh, yours is uh, right around the corner. Start fishing a little deeper. Go from deep to shallow, and they'll the deepest that you can find. And I don't care outside the harbor, inside the harbor, until you find that fish. And it'll be at a level someplace congregated with their bellies in the mud a lot of the time. So, well, we, you know, it's just, we found them. I just, I just didn't catch them. I was throwing <laughs> the same bait, same pound test line. I was, everything was the same. I just snake bit. I'm telling you, I'm just snake that bit. Will, I'm going to sell all my change, tackle, Tommy. and I'm going to move to Podunk, <laughs> Iowa. Yeah. No, 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 you can't do that because you're opening up a new restaurant. You know, do you have RV parking so that everybody that wants to come down that doesn't live in San Diego can be there for the opening and eat on you? I mean, eat oh, we're from not, what you're we're not, we're not We're not a restaurant. It's, it's a fish market for sure. We're not going to have any hot food. We'll, we'll have oh, a pokey or I a Mediterranean. I see you all the time in the morning right go. now, and I'm thinking, you know, uh, I watch your, you know, when the boat comes in and you're passing the fish off and you're talking about what your catch is, which is really fun. I'm, I mean, I'm always kind of like, got your back here going, that's, that guy's the best <laughs> what he does. So, or, and then you do your little things where you're cooking something in the, 
uh, there and you'll you know, show people how to stir fry a sea bass or, a, you know, opa or whatever you're doing at that point in time and have people come by and taste it. So I was hoping maybe uh, you were going to have that type of a situation again where you could expand on it a bit. It's always fun. Well, we'll we're still going to do um, we're going to do videos and, and uh, stuff like that. And hopefully after about a year and a half, maybe two years after we open, we'll be able to bring back Collaboration Kitchen, which was which was great. You know, we had those big dinner events and we donated all the money to nonprofit for children and, and all of that. So we, we've still got, we've got big things in the works. Uh, the fishmonger TV show premieres in April. We just finished shooting all that. So that's going to be cool. There's a eight series, uh, eight series show. We follow, uh, Dave and those guys on Wicked Tuna, so that'll be on the Outdoor Network. So that's going to be nice. fun and exciting, and it's all about what the commercial fishermen are going through with imports and rules and regulations and stuff like that. Just trying to get a level playing field and to get, you know, good quality seafood on on uh, on the public's table. You know, rather than buying all this cheap imported stuff with no rules and regulations. So. We've got exciting things coming up. I'm sure that this year, uh, 2021, will be a lot better for a lot of us, you know, and I'm glad that everybody's making it through there nice and safe, okay? Will there be any more appearances from Larry the Lobster, uh, Tommy? I'm looking at Larry right now. (laughs) (laughs) I'm, I'm looking at his suit right now. I think he's coming out of hibernation on Friday. I think Friday he might show up again. All right. You know, uh, Tommy, uh, you know, we're always talking to you about sustainable seafoods. And right now, is it getting better? Is it getting worse? What are we seeing out there in the market right now? What what should people be aware of the most? You know, a a lot of people during this pandemic, a lot of people have started coming down to the docks and, you know, just if not just to get out and get fresh air, but to learn about seafood. And a lot of people have learned to cook. Everybody's cooking again. But one thing that folks haven't learned to do is shop right. And that's across the board, whether it's, you know, uh, fruit, vegetables, nuts, fish, poultry, pork, beef, whatever. We have to shop smart and we have to shop uh, right. And with seafood, you know, know your source, ask questions, know the country of origin, and with all foods, read the label, and you hear me say it all the time, people read the label of what's in their dog and cat food, but they don't read the label of what we're putting in our own bodies, and we need to really pay attention to that. Now, I don't mean there's, not, there's nothing wrong with going and getting yourself a nice carne asada burrito, because Lord knows we all have to have that. That's just one of those things. But there's stuff out there from the seafood world that we really need to pay attention and the general public is really starting to take the one and one and a half, two pound rockfish and they're scaling it and gutting it and clipping all the fins off it. And they're baking those whole fish and they're deep frying them and they're barbecuing them again. And that's what's fun because we're all adults and we can play with our food again without getting yelled at or our hands slapped rather than take that little two-pound rockfish and fillet it up, you know, you're going to get one taco out of that thing. You get in there and you eat that whole fish, and that's a nice meal. And people are really starting to see that again. Um, 
And they know that, you know, good seafood's not cheap, cheap seafood's not good. And for those of us that go out on the sport fishing vessels or we have our own boats and stuff, it's not cheap to go fishing. You know, it's it, the initial investment and then, you know, the maintenance and everything else and fuel costs and permits and licensing and registration for the trailer and the tow vehicle and, you know, all of this stuff adds up. So people are really starting to pay more attention to what's going on in our seafood world, which is exciting because you don't really need that six-ounce fillet, bloodline off, skin skin off, bloodline out, no bones. You know, they, they, they'll take a four-ounce or, or a 16-ounce piece or whole fish and pick at it and go through the whole thing and eat the whole fish. And it's really exciting to see kids, excuse me, kids coming down to the dockside market and coming up and going, hey, we we fed my kid that rockfish, the whole thing, and we barbecued it, and they loved it, and they never had a whole fish before. And so it's exciting to see that again when, for, for us, we fish all the time, and we eat fish. I mean, that's what we do. We eat fish. You go out, you catch it, you bring it home, and you eat it, you know. And but a lot of people, they don't do that. They think it comes out of your grocer's freezer, and we're starting to change that. Uh, Tommy, uh, a lot of people, they just don't know maybe where to go to get local seafood. I mean, they go to the big box store, and you know they go to the produce area, and they see that there's products from Mexico there and even products from China. You'd be surprised in your produce department. Go take a look at uh, a bag of garlic or see where that comes from. And then the same thing happens in the meat department and in the seafood department. How do we know what to trust and where do we go to get the information? You know, San Diego's got all kinds of great seafood shops. I mean, John and Terry down there at Point Loma Seafoods, I mean, there you go. There's the godfather of all seafood in San Diego. You know, they've got 10,000 square feet. Up front, they got a heck of a counter. You know, they got some of the best smoked fish around. You got them. You can go in there and talk to those guys and find out what what they have local. You got Chula Seafood over at Driscoll's Wharf. They've got their own swordfish boat, so they're bringing in fish. You got Hayworth Fish. You got Catalina Offshore. You got San Diego Seafood. There's fish available within our city that's locally caught from local fishermen who live here in your zip code, you know, um, you don't necessarily have to buy if there's, you know, only imported white sea bass. Well, maybe there's local blackgill rockfish, or maybe there's a local yellowtail or, you know, local halibut that's coming in. Try something different, you know, switch up and try and eat local and live local. I mean, that's the, that's the whole motivation behind commercial fishing is to you know, feed the local community. It doesn't necessarily need to be put on a plane and shipped halfway across the world. And, you know, you, I've said it on your show a bunch of times that if, you know, if your seafood has more frequent flyer miles on it than your American Airlines credit card, you are part of the problem. You know, there's no reason for that. And if the big fish eat the small fish, how come we can't eat the small fish? How come we're not eating the mackerel and the sardines? We just, we lost that that palate. We used to eat this stuff. My father loved that. You know, we would eat eat mackerel and sardines out on the on the commercial boats all the time. But we just don't we just don't do that anymore. So we're trying to bring that back around. And 
we're going to educate, we're going to promote, and we're going to have fun doing it. And, you know, hopefully it works. I'm pretty positive that it's going to be okay. And how about farm-raised, uh, Tommy? Because uh, I, there's so much uh, uh, aquaculture out there, and especially when we go south of the border, down in the uh, Bay of Ensenada or down at San Quentin, where uh, there's so much aquaculture. Is is that improving, or are those standards good for for us to consume? You know, John, we have to feed the masses first and foremost, and there's good aquaculture. There's, you know, not all farmed fish is bad. Not all farmed product is bad. We have to do our homework. We have to do your due diligence in, in what you're putting into your body. It's kind of like putting bad fuel in your car. It's not going to run right. Um, you know, some of the best tasting salmon in the world is coming out of New Zealand, Saiku salmon, and the way they raise it is just absolutely unbelievable. Uh, very, very small type farm. We have Hubs Research now doing it, the yellowtail, uh, that I've been involved with that fish since it was a fry, I mean, the size of a hot dog, and now they're up to six pounds. And you'll see that on the Fishmonger Show because we, we cut some of that stuff up and did a, did a video with it for the TV show. But farm fish is here to stay. It's not going anywhere. Um, you know, it's super cheap. Somebody somewhere down the line has paid for that fish, has paid the price for that fish. And we have to feed the masses, so you have to do your own homework on some of that stuff and figure it out. Um, I'm personally not really – I can't give it a 100% endorsement because, you know, my roots and everything, but we do got to feed people. And the way some industrialized commercial fishing is going on the high seas, I mean, if you look at vessel locator – I mean, we've got a Chinese fleet that's, what, 1,500 miles from the United States right now? And I don't mean five or six boats. I mean a fleet. And they got freighters and fuelers and, you know, boats giving them fuel and, and unloading them and processing the catch and all that stuff right right down below, you know, 1,500 miles. It's not that far when it comes to the ocean. And so what do we, what do, we do with that? You know, we have to read the label again. But, again... With the farmed fish, you know, instead of buying farmed bassa or swai that's coming out of Vietnam, why not buy farmed catfish from the American Catfish Association? You know, right. things like that. There's there's always a better alternative to the cheap stuff. All right. Tommy, uh, if we want to keep track of what you're doing, because I know a lot of times you're promoting what's happening at Driscoll's Wharf or you're down at the uh, – uh, the tuna market. How's the best way to stay in contact with you, sir, and and to keep abreast of all this information that's out there? My probation officer. No, I'm kidding. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, you can you can follow me on Facebook, Tommy Gomes, or Tommy the Fishmonger on Facebook and Instagram. You know, I'm all over the place. There's some videos popped up called. Uh, cooking with Tommy Gomes, you can find on YouTube that are always fun. They're old. Look for those to be revamped. I think some of them are like eight, nine years ago, but we're getting ready to to revamp all that. And so that'll be fun and exciting. But other than that, you know, I'm down at the docks and you can send me messages through social media. Uh, hopefully I can answer your questions. Yeah. Better yet, go down there and uh, and see Tommy talk about 
some of the local seafood that's available, and he'll be happy to point you in the right direction. Awesome. All right. Hey, Tommy Gomes, thank you for spending some time with us. Uh, we appreciate it. We're going to be following you. We we look forward to seeing, uh, you know, Tommy the Fishmonger out there and, uh, and seeing you on uh, the Outdoor Channel. Man, that's going to be exciting. Yeah, I'm looking forward to getting my uh, hand off on my own boat on a spotted bay bass. Thanks, Wendy. <laughs> oh, boy, Tommy. We're, we're here to help. Stuff. Hey, guys, right, we got to take a later. break. Make it a great uh, evening. You know, next coming on up, we're going to have Captain Dave Hayward. Tommy made mention of Captain Dave having his own commercial fleet. We're going to talk about some of the issues fishing facing commercial fishermen here in San Diego. So stay tuned. There's a lot more Rod and Reel Radio to come after these messages. Turner's Outdoorsman, California's number one fishing, hunting, and shooting sports retailer, now has 28 locations. Turner's is your one-stop shop for fishing tackle, hunting gear, and everything for shooting sports. Turner's offers a full selection and unmatched prices on the gear you need. Whether you're planning a fishing trip with the family or chasing giant tuna, Turner's highly skilled staff will make sure you have the gear for your next adventure. Visit turners.com to find a Turner store near you and be sure to join the Turner's Discount Club to get weekly ads and specials right to your inbox. Turner's Outdoorsman, your one-stop shop for all your fishing needs. Hi, Roland Martin here. I'd like to tell you a little about Gary Yamamoto and the Gary Yamamoto Custom Bait Company. It all started with an idea, then a dream, and in 1983, the Gary Yamamoto Custom Bait Company was formed. If you know Gary Yamamoto like I do, and I've known him since 1983, you know he has a passionate love for the sport of fishing. That love is only matched by his obsession to design and produce the highest quality self-plastic fishing lures on the market today. Every bait Gary makes is inspected by hand. Today, more than 2.5 million packages of bait are shipped worldwide. On behalf of Gary and his staff, he wants to thank his customers for thinking so highly of his products and wishing you the great success of the sport of fishing. Whether you fish for fun or fish the tournament circuits like I do, you'll honor Gary for making Gary Yamamoto Custom Baits a key part of your fishing experience. Take it from me, Roland Martin. When I'm in need of a go-to bait, my first choice is a Gary Yamamoto Custom Bait. Hey, bass fishermen. Who do you call for your bass boat insurance? Well, if you're not calling me at 1-800-BASS-BOAT for your boat insurance, you're probably paying too much and may not have the coverage that you need. In 1974, I developed the Bass Boat Program that is what all the pros use today. The reason? No depreciation or any partial claim for your hull, your big motor, your trolling motor, or your electronics until your boat's 10 years old. That's right, you only pay $250 to get your boat on the water for any partial claim, and we still pay a stated value replacement cost for your boat if you have a total loss. We're the only people in the industry that does that, and that's why we are the choice of the pros. So if you want the best, forget the rest. Just call 1-800-BASS-BOAT. Call one 800 227 
800-242-7262 or just spell Bass Boat. 1-800-BASS-BOAT. I know there's too many letters, but the T is free and the call's on me. That's 1-800-BASS-BOAT, the choice of the pros for Bass Boat Insurance. For more information, log on to 1-800-BASSBOAT.com. Hi, this is Lori Heath. You may know me from some of the sports boats out of San Diego. I want to talk to you about something that's really close to my heart, the San Diego Blood Bank. Fishing for a way to make a difference in your community? Consider donating blood or making a financial donation to the San Diego Blood Bank. Your gift will impact medical research, revolutionize how we improve health and treat disease, and most importantly, give the gift of life. But we can't do it without you or without your help. Visit SanDiegoBloodBank.org to make an appointment or to give a financial donation today. It's the best way to give back. And just to let you know, I'm also a blood donor. Stan Vandenberg, Wendy Toshihara, and I, we welcome you back to Ron Real Radio. We know our last guest was Tommy Gomes, and with Tommy, we're always talking about sustainable, safe seafood. We're talking about locally caught product. We're talking about trying to support the local fishing industry here in the San Diego area and up and down the coast as much as we can. But, you know, it's been a tough year for the commercial fishermen. So I thought what I'd do is I'd invite one of the largest commercial fishermen that owns a fleet out here that's out of San Diego and talk a little bit about what's happening with the commercial fleet and how they're adjusting and, you know, what kind of like is in the future for them. So let's uh, introduce our listening audience to Captain Dave Hayward from Hayward Fishing. Captain Dave, how are you doing tonight, sir? Uh, good. Good evening. Hey, it is good having you. We Welcome to Ron Real Radio. Dave, can, can you kind of lead us just down the road real quickly, like, what you were doing uh, two years ago in comparison to how you had to adapt to what you're doing in the past 12 months? Well, in the, 12, you know, in the past 12 months, we've had to adjust from just catching fish to marketing. <clears throat> I always marketed my fish, and I'd sell to a few different markets when I came in just to try to get you know the best prices I could. But when this pandemic hit, all of our markets pretty much shut down. And so, um, like, when it first hit, we had one boat that had, like, 40,000 pounds of fish on it. My son was running it, and we got in. We unloaded part of the fish. It got up to L.A., pandemic hit, shut everything down. They called us up, hey, we can't do anything with your fish. Um, We're just going to freeze them, or, you know, we don't know what to do. And I just told them, bring them back. You know, bring them back to San Diego, and we'll sell them. And Luckily, we've been selling um, at Tuna Harbor Dockside Market, you know, for whatever, five or six years since it started. <clears throat> so we had a nice Saturday thing going. And so um, we had a, you know, customer base. And then um, we got a hold of Tommy Gomes to help us with some marketing. And so <clears throat> we ended up putting it out on, you know, Facebook and just word of mouth. And uh, the first day we, we were we, – Got the fish back on a Friday, and we had a line going down the street on Friday. And so we started selling, and we sold, you know, a lot of on Friday, and then we sold on Saturday, and, um, you know, it worked out really good. And then uh, Driscoll's 
um, Tom Driscoll, I contacted him, and he said, hey, you can come sell over at our dock because we're only allowed to sell in, over at Tuna Harbor Dockside Market on Saturdays, and it's not going to work. You can't move 40,000 pounds of fish in one day. So then we started um, selling over at Driscoll's, and um, we were able to move our fish. So it worked out good. Uh, we did lower the price to $10 a pound for ahi tuna, and that really um, – you know, attracted people. So they came and when it first started, I said, we're going to keep the $10 for the whole pandemic, you know, just figuring it's going to last for a few months. And now it's been, you know, it looks like it's going to go on for a while. So we still have the $10 price. You know, Captain David, tell us how many boats you have in your fleet and how far reaching uh, is your fleet? How far do they go? And are they all going for the same thing? Or are they going for different species? Do they all fish the same area? Tell us uh, just a little bit about your, your fleet of vessels. Okay. Well, I have um, a couple boats that are longline boats, and they fish between here and Hawaii. We're not allowed to fish within 200 miles of the California coast or any piece of land in California, so we fish out further than that. And we run, you know, like halfway to Hawaii. Or Right now they're about 600 miles out, 500 miles out. And then um, I have a couple boats that fish albacore. So um, one of them's a bait boat, jig boat. So they go up and fish off Oregon, Washington, or California or San Diego if the albacore are here. But they haven't been here in, you know, years now. So we've been catching most of our fish off Oregon and Washington. And we freeze it. And we bring some back and sell it here. But we sell most of our fish up in uh, Washington. Then I have another boat that does combination albacore and it does um swordfish steel netting swordfish so it nets swordfish and then um i have another boat that uh does deep set buoy gear for swordfish and lobster and live fish so that's i think that's about it wow so when you come to tuna dockside market or you go to driscoll's uh uh, is it like uh, you may not always expect to find the same species of fish there? Am I correct? Yeah, it's like right now there's very little bit of albacore. This week I didn't have fresh big eye tuna. You know, I didn't have we. You know, it was um, one. I didn't have a boat in this week, so our boat's coming in this coming week. This week it's coming in. So, but like on Saturday we didn't have a boat there. So um, you really never know. You kind of, you know, check the, our websites and stuff to see what, what we have. You know, we had some tuna, but just not the, not the normal amount. And um, we just never know, you know, with the season and with fishing. Fishing, we never know. When you leave the dock, you're, you know, at least when I was running the boat, I'd be, every time I left the dock, I was scared if I was even going to catch a fish. You just never know with, with fishing. So... You know, you, just, well, you really, you know, never, never know what's going to happen. And sometimes you leave and it's horrible and you do really good. Sometimes it's really good and you don't catch anything. So you just, you know, it's one of those things. But we try to every Saturday have a market there. And there's a variety from rock crab to uh, lobster to tuna to swordfish to sheep's head, different kinds of rockfish. You know, we just have a, um, you know, we have different kinds of crab. We have prawns. Um, you know, spot prawns. So just, you know, a whole variety, just depending on what the fishermen catch. Tell us, you know, when going to Driscoll's, uh, a lot of people don't may not know where Driscoll's is. And then tell us what the procedure is once someone gets there and, and 
gets into the parking lot, what they can expect to find and how you can help them out? Well, Driscoll's we do when a boat comes in and it's not. We were trying to have a boat there every week, but this like this last week we did not have a boat at Driscoll's. So um, Driscoll's is a little bit, you know, it's kind of easy to find, but it's a little hard to find. So it's just past the sport landing right next to the submarine base. And we usually put signs out that will say, like, Hayworth Fish. It'll say uh, Ahi Tuna, $10. And we put arrows. And then sometimes there's other boats selling there. They have signs up that say Atlantic Pacific Tuna. And um, so there's a couple different fishermen that, that sell there. So we try to have signs up. And um, people just can follow the signs and, um, you know, go on Facebook, uh, Hayworth Fishing on Facebook or Tommy Gomes, you know, on his Facebook, he, you know, posts for us and, you know, just follow the directions there. And it's, it's pretty simple. Just come down and, um, and, you know, pick up your fish and ask questions. And when you are looking at fish, if you see a piece of fish that doesn't look right, don't buy it. And I'm talking about anywhere. I'm not just talking about with us, but just, you know, you always want to look at what you're getting. So, you know, look at it. If it doesn't look right, then, you know, get another piece that goes for at grocery stores or, you know, wherever. You know, uh, Captain David, uh, a lot of people, when they go to their local grocery store, you see the product there in really nice uh, wrap packages. But when they get down to the wharf there, it's just a little bit different. And uh, sometimes people can be put off maybe with seeing the whole fish there. How, how can you help them up there? I mean, are you loining it out? Are you staking it out? Or do you just uh, throw a whole fish in a bag in here? This is yours. Deal with it. Well, we do both. The Tuna Harbor Dockside Market, we have a cleaning station. So people buy the fish, they take it over, and it's clean for them. They say how they want it cleaned. At Driscoll's, people sometimes buy whole fish. Mainly there, they're just buying the loins or the steaks. And, um, you know, we have people that buy fish. We'll have the crew clean it for them. I even have people that buy fish and take it to the processing, you know, for the sport fishing processing plants and have it, have it processed. So, <clears throat> you know, you have, you have a, um, a lot of options on, on what you want to do with it. Well, you were also selling fish commercially. Do you find that there are other parts of the country right now that, let's say, are recovering mm-hmm are coming back closer to normal than we're finding here in Southern California or just, just does everything just seem to be just kind of shut down right now? No, we're selling um, with the holidays, a lot of the foreign countries, you know, we, our business um, really fluctuates with imports, our pricing because, you know, the imports kill us. And um, so around Christmas, a lot of the other countries, slow down so right now everybody wants tuna so i'm getting calls we could sell we could sell our load of tuna right now just the wholesalers so they are you know they are buying but when it comes to other stuff like with opa like last last month we had a lot of opa so we lowered the price and had to move them but that was a slow market for us but tuna is moving good swordfish is, is uh, moving good around the holidays um, you know, we were selling a lot of swordfish, so it, you know it was working out good. But um, I, I would say that marketing's getting better than what it was, um, you know, six months ago or whatever. People are adjusting, and my saying through this whole pandemic was, people have to eat. 
because I always have people say, oh, you should stop fishing. And I said, well, if we stop fishing, people aren't going to eat. So, you know, we have to keep bringing in product so people can eat. So we found ways to get it through wholesalers to people. All right. Hey, you Captain know, like, Dave, can like I ask you to market. stay with us just a, l- a little bit longer? Because I know Stan and Wendy, they also have questions. And I want to talk a little bit uh, also about you being a commercial fisherman under the U.S. flag and maybe some of the things you have to compete against when it comes to other vessels that are flying different flags. Can can you stay with us for a little bit longer? Sure. All right. Hey, Stan, Wendy, and I, we're talking with Captain Dave Hayworth from Hayworth uh, Fishing. We're talking about the commercial fish that are coming into our port here that you can buy, but we're going to also talk about what Captain David has to do sometimes to bring these fish to market. So stay tuned. Stan, Wendy, and I will be back after these messages. Hi, this is John, and I'd like to invite you to the new Angler's Arsenal location in Lakeside, California. We put together a staff of experts that'll help you find the tackle and gear you need at a price you can afford. We carry all the major brands. And if you need custom work done, we can do that for you with both rods and reels. How about servicing your old equipment? No problem. We can do it quickly, easily, at a price you can afford. We also do custom hand-poured plastics through Western Plastics. Design the lure of your dreams and catch the fish that have been getting away. So come and visit us in Lakeside. We're at 12255 Woodside Avenue. Or you can visit us at anglersarsenal.com. If you need to call us, we're at 619-466-8355. See you there. Every serious angler knows that a quality hook is an important part of their arsenal. Gamakatsu hooks are made from high-grade carbon steel, specially heat-treated to make them light and extra strong, but not brittle. Gamakatsu ring hooks are made with a one-piece ring, no welds, no weak spots, a very smooth-moving ring. Gamakatsu offers a huge variety of hooks for all types of fishing. Live bait hooks, both light and heavy-duty, to four extra strong. Circle hooks, tuna hooks, ringed hooks, tuna doubles, and many more. Don't waste your next fishing trip on a cheap hook. Get Gamakatsu hooks at your favorite tackle store now. I can't wait to spend some quality time with my son fishing this year, teaching him about casting, how to choose bait, set the hook, and how to be safe on the water by always wearing a life jacket. Save the ones you love. A message from California State Parks Division of Boating and Waterways. Are you looking for a quality fishing experience out of Cabo San Lucas for you, your family, and friends? but are a little set back with what charter company to choose, we urge you to use American and family-owned Lands End Charters. Lands End Charters offers their passengers affordable and all-inclusive services on a variety of vessels and trips. Fish with the latest of fishing gear while experiencing the hospitality of a long-time-owned family business. Go to LensAndCharters.com to see all of their vessels and amenities available. Call Cobble Greg or Jenny at 800-281-5778 when you're ready for an action-packed Cabo fishing experience. 
Have you dreamed of experiencing the world-class in and offshore fishing off the exotic tropical Pacific coast of mainland Mexico? Why not fish the sailfish capital of the world, Manzanillo, Mexico, with the folks you know and trust, Cedros Outdoor Adventures. In Manzanillo, you can find roosterfish, sailfish, marlin, tuna, dorado, and more, all within 20 miles of the shore. Our friends at Cedros Outdoor Adventures are offering an all-inclusive travel package to Manzanillo that makes your winter fishing dreams a reality for a special price of $21.95. Cedros Outdoor Adventures is a name you learn to trust for safety and value, but these trips are available for a limited time only, starting this fall through March 2021. Learn further trip details and make your reservation at cedrosoutdooradventures.com or call at 619-793-5419. Run Real Radio is brought to you by BajaBound.com Insurance Services. Are you driving to Mexico? You can buy and print out your Mexican auto insurance policy online in the convenience of your own home or office in minutes now with BajaBound.com's easy-to-use website. After printing your auto insurance, check out the BajaBound.com site. There, too, you will find great travel tips and information to help you get the most out of your next road trip south of the border. So this is an important fact to remember. Use BajaBound.com. It's the easiest way to find and get Mexican auto insurance. Dan, Wendy, and I, we like to welcome you back to Ron Real Radio. We're speaking with Captain Dave Hayworth from Hayworth uh, Fishing. Captain Dave uh, is the owner of a commercial fleet that is headquartered out of San Diego here. You know, Captain David, thanks for spending some time with us. Yeah, my pleasure. I always I, like I, to I, answer questions so people know what's happening. Well, well I, I got know, a question. Go Dan. Because the the elusive word you brought up, <laughs> the albacore, because it is missed Southern California. It, it comes in up Morro Bay area and then slides up to Bragg and goes into Oregon there. How close do you get it, you know, outside of our arena here? Do you have to go west to find it before before it curves to go back in toward Morro Bay on that current breaks out there or? Or where do you find it close enough to here? Because we never see it, you know, very rarely is it on the market here. I I can only imagine if you brought some back here, it would go in a heartbeat. Yeah, we we do. We bring back some frozen albacore, and we're selling. You know, we sell it down at uh, Tuna Harbor Dockside Market for like two fifty a pound for the whole fish. But we ran into it <clears throat> the last couple years. We really haven't seen much offshore. But last year. Um, I would say in April, I'd say in April, May, we ran into some albacore about 600 miles out. You know, we were catching, um, you know, a fair amount of them, you know, like 100 a day or something, you know, 50 a day, 75. But we weren't seeing any before that. And it's kind of weird because when we first hit them, the first boats that hit them had like um, six pounders to eight pounders. And we're like, oh, you know. Interesting. And then a month later, some, a different wave came in, and we were catching some that were 15 to 20 pounds. And then they showed up 
they showed up more off of Oregon and Washington than Morro Bay. I mean, they do, but um, recently they've been kind of just staying up high. And so they 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 were coming across, let's say, the closest that we had. And there was a lot of rumors last year about fish at um, right here at San Clemente Island and stuff, but it, there wasn't really. Um, that fish was about five to six hundred miles, you know, basically straight west of San Diego, like thirty-two to thirty-four. So mm-hmm. you know that wouldn't be that far below Morro Bay. But by the time it came in, where the jig boats and bait boats were getting it, you know, it was up, you know, in the forty you know, around the 40 line, 42. So, and, and we can't figure it out. I mean, I grew up, I made my first commercial trip when I was nine fishing albacore. We had a bait boat on Barbara H out of San Diego. And I had left from San Diego and went all the way up to Oregon fishing. I remember we were fishing up there and then the boats down here started catching them. So I remember running all the way up there and then turning around and running all the way back down here. You know, the sport fleet was getting a bunch of them. So a lot of the commercial boats ran back down here. And um, I've caught plenty of albacore off Point Conception, um, you know, Morro Bay, like you're saying, San Francisco. So it's been baffling with the water, with the bluefin, not having the albacore down here. You know, I always expected to see them again, you know, to see, you know, some come here. So I, I, I can't, you know, figure it out. That's why they're called highly migratory species. You know, because who would know that there'd be thousands and thousands of tons of bluefin off San Diego? you know, the last couple of years that are, you know, two, 300 pounders. So, you know, just well, I mean, really, in the really years, hard to figure. Well, in the years that gone by, I mean, with the we used to get, when the albacore were on the boat, you know, they'd get blown off by the bluefin had come in and they'd, they'd chew for a while and then the bluefin had sink out and the albacore had come back. There was always albacore and bluefin mixed in. Now we don't see that anymore. The boats that you were getting, your your... You know, you had said yet yeah, that's six pound fish, uh, six eight pound fish. That's not abnormal for the albacore back when. You know, you get that smaller fish first part of the season, and then that second wave kind of comes in. It's that more adult fish or a little bit bigger, and then it's, gee, every once in a while you get those huge fish that come up uh, at Morro Bay, that forty to ninety pound fish, um, which was pretty rare. But I never got one of those giants. Uh, but it was a fun fishery. Uh, did your do you? Was it your jig boats that were getting those fish out there 600 miles west? They were longline boats, but we do troll some uh. jigs. And then there was a few boats that were um, coming up from the South Pacific that were jig boats that went through the area looking. <clears throat> and then there was a couple boats that left from Hawaii heading towards Oregon and Washington that went through. But they never caught very many of them out there. You know, they, they had, you know, 30, 40, like I said, I think up to 100. But it was a good sign because we hadn't seen any in the last, you know, four or five years or whatever out there. So I thought it was a really good sign, and I was kind of encouraged, but they never showed up here, you know. So it was – and the albacore season off Oregon, Washington wasn't, you know, a stellar season. It was, you know, average or below average season. So, you know, it was was, was a little weird. So, you know, I I can't figure it out. I keep predicting albacore are going to show up off San Diego again. They will. But I, you know, I don't know why they're not. Well, you know, that's there's a, a at least a generation of fishermen that don't know anything about one how to what an albacore looks like <laughs> or how to catch one uh, on an anchovy. 
because that's just not yeah. been around for a while. It'll be an interesting year when that happens, I think. And all of us hope that that happens soon. Actually, that would be fun. Uh, it used to be what drove the fishery down in San Diego was waiting until the albacore get here. The yellowtail and albacore were the drive. You know, Stan, I think what I miss most is the distinctive aroma that you get when you're in albacore and they're, you know, they're hitting the deck and it is like something you've never experienced before. <laughs> I'll go for that. Yeah. Be able to catch them when they were feeding, when they were chewing in their, you know, you make a cast and they're just all over right on the corner of the boat, put a bait in the water, you're on. And, and then the first, the guys, even my little brother, the first one he hangs, he was fishing with a spinning rod. I told him that might not be your best bet. And we were actually up out of Morro Bay. And, and in that 30 to 40 pound fish, when you get that albacore down there and you're fishing with lighter line, you know, these pulling on them and pulling on them. And as you lift up, they just point those wings sideways and you just kind of drift them across the, the, the water column. And he goes, how do you get them up? You know, so there's so many fishermen out there that have never experienced that. It'll be fun when it finally happens again. Dave, you know, as a commercial fisherman, uh, you know, I think it was in the early 1980s, I did an article for San Diego Fishermen, and we were talking about the commercial uh, fleet here in San Diego. And when it came to uh, the industries that were here in San Diego, military was first, uh, you know, uh, the uh, vacationers and visitors were second, and commercial fishing was third. That's all gone away. Is it a matter of economics? Have uh, the has commercial fishing been legislated out of here? Uh, is it the cost of working in Southern California as opposed to anything? What? Why are you here? And uh, you know, Starkist is gone. Well, when Starkist and those left, I left too. I was fishing in the South Pacific. I was fishing out of Hawaii. Um, you know, fishing other places because of it. And then finally, I just said, you know what, I want to fish out of my hometown because I was kind of almost going to just retire and stuff. And, you know, I, so I, I started fishing just back here and, you know, really enjoyed it again, trying to fish out of San Diego. The problem we have in San Diego or in California is the environmentalists are just out to shut down fishing. And one thing is, is that we're getting a lot better where the recreational fishermen and the commercial fishermen are working together to, to try to keep fishing. And one thing that recreational fishermen have to realize is we're heavily regulated. I mean, they tell us when we can go. We have um, uh, GPSs or DMSs on the boat. They track us from the time we leave the harbor till the time we get back. They, they're tracking us at all times. They tell us what size hook we can use. They tell us what bait we can use, what size monofilament we're allowed to use what size leads we're allowed to put on our lines. I mean, we have so many restrictions, and it's super discouraging. We have environmentalists trying to put us out of business. We even have recreational organizations trying to put commercial fishermen out of business who are trying to feed America. And there's all these other boats outside our 200-mile limit fishing with, you know, I say with filet mignon, they can use bait that we can't use. We're not allowed to use squid. They're allowed to use squid. They're allowed to use any size hook they want, any size mono they want, wire. Um, and so it's really discouraging for me to try to stay in business with this, with this happening. But we have, I'd say in the last 
eight years or so, been working a lot closer with the sport industry, recreational anglers together on stuff, because now they're starting to realize, hey, when these commercial fishermen are gone, those nut jobs are going to come after us. So, you know, it's, uh, you know, we, we have to share our resource, you know, especially off, you know, California. And I call California Club Med for the tuna, the swordfish, and everything else because we have so many restrictions. The highly migratory species can come here, and there's so many limits that they don't get caught compared to Mexico or once they're outside of our 200-mile limit. Well, that's the deal. Uh, for California, are you dealing with a 200-mile limit? Uh, is it a fed, the feds that you're dealing with at 200 miles? And, and what happens after that? How, is it you can, you can go out 600 miles and you still have to uh, adhere to the regulations that you're uh, adhering to within the 200-mile limit? Yeah, well, we're not allowed to fish with long lines within 200 miles and then they're trying to restrict all you know the use of nets also like ban nets and stuff and so you know you can't go out with you know this is a rod and reel show but you can't go out with a rod and reel and catch enough fish to make a living and live in san diego by ever buy a house or put a kid through college or whatever you know there's a couple fishermen that that might be able to but you know most of us like me i couldn't go out with a rod and reel and survive for the year i could have a good month i could have a good week fishing but you know you have to have fish year round to survive so you know it, it's yeah i it's super discouraging when we are like i was watching you can look on the um on uh, marine traffic and see the foreign boats and the u.s boats fishing and like there's a there's a taiwanese boat that just came in within 30 miles of one of my boats yesterday 600 miles out, and there's two more Taiwanese boats about 100 miles past him. So we'll see if he stays or if he makes a couple sets and leaves. But, no, we can't, you know, those guys are setting, you know, just way different than we are. And we have to have observers basically 20 to 25% of the time on our boats. And we do have, like I said, a, I call it an ankle bracelet where they're watching us wherever we go, whatever we do. And there's certain times we can fish. There's, you know, there's restrictions. And once you're a U.S. registered boat, you go by U.S. law. So it's not you go out in international waters and you become international. It doesn't work like that. So we have to abide by all U.S. regulations um, being registered, you know, being a U.S. boat. You know, David, as I understand it, when you have observers on the boats with you, or you are being monitored like that, this isn't a, uh, the cost of this isn't picked up by some nebulous organization that's uh, working out of Washington. You're the guy that actually has to pay to regulate yourself. Is that not true? Well, it is true in some cases, it is, and it's not true in other cases. So right now, we scream bloody murder when we had to pay for having an observer, because remember, you have to get an observer, then it has to be certified, then he has to have insurance. So, you know, it's costing like six or $700 a day. So right now, um, the government is paying for the observers that are on our boat. So they are paying. We do pay for the food. So we do feed them. And, um, you know, we do have to pay for their food and, you know, just provide them a, a clean bunk area and, and take care of them when they're on the boat. So it's not a big problem because we don't have really anything to hide but it is an inconvenience 
And then especially with COVID now, trying to get an observer and you want someone on the boat that you don't know. And uh, so, it, you know, it, it's, it's a mess. And they want to put cameras on our boats now so that they monitor everything we do. And I have a problem with that. I mean, if we're running a legal business, if we have violations or something, they want to put a camera on my boat, I understand. If I have violations, they want to put an ankle bracelet on me, I understand. But if we don't, why should we have a camera watching us, everything we do, and then under the Freedom of Information Act, environmentalists get a hold of the camera data and any data, and then they twist it in, you know, in bad ways for us. So it's that, well, why, that part kind of... Why would they want a camera when they put observers on your boat? The observers would they be the first guys to tell them what they're, what they're doing right or wrong. I don't know. Yeah, it's, well, you know, I, it's, I, too, it's, it's a mess, I got to tell you. You know, all of us that are on CCA are here trying to work with and, and trying to help to keep promoting fishing. And you hear the horror stories of both the commercial side and the recreational side. It's just too bad. Wendy, were you, you chiming have, in? Yeah, go, Wendy. Yeah. I mean, I have a little skiff. Merritt and I have a little skiff. It's only 21 feet. If you can imagine all the safety gear that we have to have on that thing, plus the VMS, plus everything else. I mean, and then have an observer. That, well, during COVID, I don't know how we're going to do that because we can't be COVID compliant at six feet away from everybody. And then he'd be sitting downwind from us. So I, it's just a pain in the butt. It's California. You know, Captain David, I was uh, having difficulty getting four rolls of toilet paper at uh, Costco uh, during a lot of this. In fact, I'm even having difficulty. Uh, were you having any difficulties uh, uh, supplying uh, the guys in your fleet with all the things they needed to go on out for six or eight weeks? Yeah, well, we go out for about four weeks or three weeks, you know, three weeks. And, oh, the Albuquerque boats, yeah, my, they were going out. So what I was doing is I don't live that far from a Costco, so I'd go down and grab a roll, you know, grab a, a thing of paper towels, toilet paper, bleach, and stuff I need. And I was just putting it in my garage at the house so that when the boat came in, we weren't in a panic. Because when this first happened, we got caught with our pants down. Like, how do we get supplies? Clothes? Oh, you're only allowed one package of meat. You're only, you know, there was limits on everything. And and it, so it, it was, you know... It, it, it was, we just had to adjust for it. So we made the adjustments. So it didn't like stop a trip or anything, but it did, it did make it uh, difficult. I, I forget what it was a couple weeks ago. I was at Costco and I bought, oh, bacon. And I bought four packs of bacon and I got up there and it was like, the alarm went off. Oh, you can't get this. You can't get, what are you trying to do? And I said, four packs of bacon. Oh, you're only allowed one. I was like, what? You know, so there's there just weird things that you wouldn't have seen, you know. In, like the toilet paper thing. Who would have ever thought we'd have a shortage of that for a coronavirus? <laughs> Crazy. Dave, I know you don't have a crystal ball, but uh, kind of looking into the future, uh, is commercial fishing under the U.S. flag, is that going to wane? And we're going to become more and more dependent on foreign sources, like uh, Tommy uh, loves to tell us that, we may not be able to trust everything that we're putting in our mouth if if we're buying from them. Yeah, I think that the, that the main thing is that people have to look at the big picture. 
And like I said, recreational and commercial guys have to work together. We have to understand that we're all out there sharing the resource. And if we're not using it, a foreign country can. So you have to remember, let's just, we'll throw bluefin out there because it's a very sore subject with me. You know, U.S. fleets allowed, you know, 600 and some tons for two years. So 300 and some ton a year, basically. Mexico's allowed 6,000 tons. Japan's allowed 15,000 tons. And, uh, you know, here we're the U.S., way bigger, and we're only allowed a tiny bit of it. And, you know, we just are, we have to learn to fight and we fight together not against each other, to protect U.S. rights in U.S. waters. And remember, if you don't have U.S. commercial fishermen catching your fish, you're going to be buying them from Mexicans, you know, uh, from the, uh, you know, China now is getting big fleets, Japan, and you're going to have to import it all in from New Zealand, Australia, uh, you know, South American countries. So basically, you're actually hurting us by not having – U.S. fish caught in U.S. waters being monitored by the, you know, by the U.S. government. And the government does need to slack off a little bit because, you know, if you notice, most of our fish stocks are doing pretty well. And, you know, they come after the commercial fishermen on marine mammals. But all of you that have been in the ocean see what our marine mammal populations are like. They've been exploding over the last 20 years. Sure. So, Dave, let me get this right. The regulatory agency that is controlling what your take can be in U.S. waters are, is some type of a nebulous U.S. agency, and they put more restrictions on U.S. flag vessels than they do from vessels from other countries when it comes to how they can fish and the quotas that they can uh, get. Am, am I correct? Is that a correct statement? Our negotiators... They go to meetings with Mexico, with Japan, with other countries, and they give away our stocks to these other countries. If you could imagine what they've done, I mean, you couldn't even, you know, it's terrible. I mean, U.S. is U.S. We have a big population. We have a lot of water that's in our 200-mile zone. We have Hawaii, which takes up all kinds of water. And we should be allowed to catch our fair share. We should be allowed to catch as much as Japan or as much as Mexico of the same population of fish. But they all have higher quotas than we do. Now, how can, you know, how can that be? And, I, you know, I was in when this bluefin crash happened, whatever it was, like eight years ago or whatever it was, when they lowered the limit to one or two fish and they were trying to lower it to zero. Environmentalists wanted no bluefin being taken in California. I was there talking with, working with our State Department, and I remember exactly, I was, sit, I was actually in the, driving in Point Loma, and I had to stop because of the cell sites are bad up there, listening to this, and I lost him for a minute, then the guy came back. Um, yeah, we got 500 tons, David, we got five or 600 tons. And I said, really, that's nothing. And, and his words were, Mexico and Japan wanted us to have zero. They offered us zero. And I said, well, yeah, that's what negotiators do. So, you know, I'll, I'll never forget that phone call. And, you know, since then, you know, the U.S. quota has been horrible. Boy, I don't know. You know, Stan and Wendy, I, this should be an eye-opener 
to anyone that is out there, whether or not you are a fisherman or not a fisherman, on just what's happening to uh, uh, our proud industry and, and the men and women going out there trying to su- supply us with, uh, you know, food that we have on our table every day. And, and not only that, taking it out of our own waters from our own people, not a lot of our own people to go in there and regulating them. Uh, so I, I don't even know where to go with this. This is, this is incredible, David. Uh, thank you for opening our eyes. I guess my question is, how can we help or can we? Well, I think just supporting U.S. commercial fishermen and having it, you know, where it's not the sport fishermen fighting the, you know, we all need to stick together now because we have some, you know, just crazy, you know, NGO organizations, you know, just some of this like Oceana and Pew and there's just, you know, that national biodiversity or whatever they call themselves that sue all the time. And, you know, they're, they're you know, it, it's bad. So I just, you know, just. I think we need to stick together. And, um, you know, that that's basically all I can say. Our fish stocks are looking really good. I mean, our oceans are looking good. And I always tell people that tell me that there's overfishing or we're killing all the marine mammals. I said, have you been in the ocean? Because, I, you know, all of you have been in the ocean. And do you see where the ocean's in California? Now, I can't speak for other areas. I can just speak for California right now because that's where, you know, I'm based out of, um, I'm really proud and happy from what I see out there and, you know, the life that I see in the waters off of California. Well, Dave, I know we're not going to solve this tonight, but I can't thank you enough for spending some time to talk to us about this subject. And, and all, I, all we can do is, is tell people, look at the labels, read what it is that you're eating and try to buy U.S. As, as much as you can. And, David, tell us again, where can we find you in the next couple of weeks where you will be selling your wares? We're going to be selling at Driscoll's probably down in San Diego on Friday, and then um, we're going to be selling at Tuna Harbor Dockside Market on Saturday and probably at Driscoll's also. Um, they're calling for some rain, so we'll just have to see how, how that works out for us. And we do, um, you know, you can follow on Facebook, Hayworth Fishing on Facebook. And then we also have HaywardFish.com where we do deliveries and some pre-orders. Because what we started doing during the pandemic is um, doing uh, home deliveries around San Diego. And, and so that's been working out good. And then we started working with the uh, feeding families and, and getting fish out to lower income we didn't get a chance to talk about that for lower income families in san diego so really excited about that well david and what's fresh what's fresh on the dock right now or this coming week do you think this week we have a lot of um um, bluefin i mean bluefin big eye tuna coming in and yellowfin tuna and we have um a fair amount of monchong are going to be on the boat this trip and we have a, a a small amount of okra coming in so that, that's what we got coming in for um, for this week. Well, David, thank you so much for taking your time to be with us. Good luck to you. And we look uh, forward to checking in, to, uh, in with you in the future to see things, how things are going after this is all over, okay? Yeah, well, thank you, and thanks for letting me uh, vent. You want tied up, you know. All right. You know, that was, that was great, David. I can't thank you enough. Okay. Thank you. Great stuff. 
Hey, guys, that's it for tonight. Uh, we're just about ready to shut off here. Thanks a lot for being with us. Hey, we want to thank Otto and the AM540 Studios, Ben Harvey, our local producer here, and always in memory of Big Tuna Bill, Eddie McCune, and Mr. Paul Leader from El Cone 4 that kept us on the air. Thank you, everyone. Good night. We'll be back next Sunday night, 5 or 5 p.m. on AM540. We'll see you then. Got your hound dog by your side. That's old Cindy Lou going with me. Gone fishing. Mm-hmm. Fleas are biting at his hide. Get away from me, boys. You're bothering me. Folks won't find us now because.